0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: This is The Art of Awesome, show number 185.
2: Being able to wake up every day and operate in your area of passion and expertise and financial potential, right? And I add that financial potential because so many people, I think, you know, they, they just want to chase their passions. But, you know, if your passion is to, you know, something that that doesn't allow you to provide for your family, there's a certain level of stress that comes along with that. So if you can find that blend of doing something that you genuinely enjoy, surrounded by people that you love doing it with, and you're able to find the financial success that you've been looking for, that's, that's awesome. <clears throat> That's
1: what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to the Art of Awesome podcast. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so we've got another deep dive interview and. Oh my gosh, our guest today really did lay out some secrets to success. Today I got to speak with Tony Robinson from the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Rookies podcast. Tony is a real estate investor with a focus on short-term rentals like Airbnb properties. He's also got a social media following, YouTube channel, and runs several different boot camps and conferences about real estate investing and short-term rentals. Though today's interview isn't just about real estate or short-term rentals or investing, as we talk a lot about mindset and breaking through barriers about parenting, bodybuilding, real estate. It all comes down to mindset and being able to break through any barriers along the way. So this is truly a phenomenal conversation. Tony gives so many nuggets of gold, as I like to call it. He gives some great recommendations on books. And again, this is just one of my most favorite recent episodes. So can't wait to share it with you guys. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here is Tony Robinson. Uh, Tony, welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast.
2: Nick, thanks for having me, brother. I'm I'm excited to be here. I'm I'm, I'm hoping my story can inspire some folks from uh, from listening.
1: Awesome. So you are a real estate investor, a YouTuber, and a podcaster with the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Rookie Show. You also run boot camps and conferences about uh, investing with a focus on short-term rentals like Airbnb properties. Uh, Though, Let's kind of kick it off a little bit with telling us a little bit about your story of how you got into real estate in the first place, um, and kind of we'll go from there.
2: Yeah, awesome, man. Well, no, thank you for that introduction. But yeah, I am a, a husband and a father and a first and then a real estate investor after all that. Uh, my wife, she's uh, my best friend. We've been dating since we were 17 years old. Um, and uh, she's also my business partner. So she's side by side with me as we, we kind of built this, build, this real estate business. Um, and then I'm also a father. My son is uh 14 years old, almost 15, in a in like two weeks, two three weeks. So um, raising a teenager is a whole another journey that I'm uh, I'm learning to, to go through right now. But yeah, overall, man, I'm I'm just I, I'm incredibly grateful for the life that I get to wake up and live every day. Uh, but in terms of how I got started, I um I always knew I wanted to kind of be an entrepreneur. I was that that kid in junior high that was uh you know like. I would go to Costco and buy big bags of candy, bag them up into little Ziploc bags, and then sell those out of my locker during passing period when I was in junior high. Um, when I got to, to, uh, to college, I started a tutoring company where I had myself and like two other tutors that uh, did in-person math tutoring. We were like mobile math tutors. Um, so I, I just always kind of had this drive to, to kind of build my own business. And I I always knew real estate was the path that I wanted to go down. But, you know, real estate in a lot of ways is a very capital intensive business to get into. So I needed to make sure I actually (laughs) had some money. Um, So, you know, I went to college, got a got a good career, climbed the corporate ladder. And essentially, as soon as I had enough money to kind of pull the trigger, uh, I bought my first investment property. That was back in uh, 2019. um, So about uh, three years ago now. Little over three years ago, and um, we started off in the long term rental space, bought a few properties that way, um, quickly transitioned to short term rentals. And uh, we've sold all of our long term rentals, but we're up to about 30 short term rentals right now across a few different states.
1: Wow! So, three years ago, that's definitely the, the fast track into real estate and it, 30, 30 um, short term properties um, or Airbnbs within the last three years. Um, I love your story how you you kind of just had that uh, entrepreneurial bug like from the beginning and kind of built up like through different things, whether it be, you know, tutoring or, or the corporate ladder, as you say, um, to kind of like build up the, the finances to kind of have that uh, to be able to start real estate in the first place. Would you... Um, is that kind of like what you would advise anybody that wanted to get into real estate is like start off, you know, get a job, put some money aside or through your journey in the last couple of years. Um, and, and also I guess through all the, the guests that you've been able to interview on the real estate rookie podcast, what kind of advice would you have maybe for someone that's starting out that wants to get into real estate?
2: You know, I I think it's going to be different for every person. I think the path that I went down of going to college, uh, you know, getting a, a career, kind of climbing that corporate ladder, was what I needed to do for myself because I was a uh, I was 16 when my son was born, so I became a parent. At a very early age, so you hear from a lot of you know successful people that they say you know experiment when you're when you're young, take those risks when you're young because you don't you don't have anything to worry about, right? But I uh, I didn't fall into that category because I you know I did have a family, so um, I knew that I wanted to make sure we had a good foundation to to start with. So for for me, that was the path that I needed to go down to kind of give myself that that um, that security. But if you were in a position where, you know, you are just a, a young single person, kind of, uh, you know, fresh out of high school, and maybe you don't really have a desire to go to college, maybe it isn't necessary, you know, like, if my son came to me and said, Dad, I don't want to go to college, I want to build this business. Like, I mean, as long as he's serious about it and he's doing it, like, I think that there's maybe more you can learn by building a business as an 18-year-old than you do from necessarily spending four or five years at a university. So everyone's situation is going to be different. I think what's most, important, um, what's, what's most important, Nick, is that you identify what kind of life it is you eventually want to live and start creating a plan to get yourself there. And what goes into your plan is probably going to be different than what goes into my plan. But what's most important is that you have a plan. You start working towards making that plan a reality.
1: Yeah, I mean we're all we're all uh, playing a game. This game of life. I, I I regularly imagine like the board game life, and and I think regularly, you know, we're each playing a game. But but all of us are playing a different game at the same point. Like and and you can't look at someone else and the progress that they've made or the progress that you've made and, and compare because you're each like playing your own game and you're at different points within the game and uh another way to kind of think of it is like it's like a marathon you know you hear that quote all the time like it's life is a marathon um But within that race, you know, there are different points of the race. And so you can't just like look over and be like, oh, my gosh, that guy's farther ahead. It's like, well, maybe that person started before you Uh, you, like there's or maybe they had less obstacles along the way. Or maybe they were going downhill while you were going uphill. Do you know what I mean? And so um, I I like that idea of just kind of thinking about it that way, kind of going your own way. And 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 it was something that you said uh, about telling your son, like if he was to come to you right now. Um, uh, about whether to go to college or, or something like that. And the advice that you would give him, we kind of talked a little bit about this one when, when I was on your show as well. Um, and I would, I would do, you know, similar with, with my son and, and we actually, we talk about this all the time. My son's a little bit younger. He's nine. Um, but we talk about, you know, future, what he wants to be when he grows up and all this diff- different types of stuff, like most conversations that I think parents have, um, and and I'm the same way where it's like well if you want to go to school you can go to school if you want to you know start a business start a business and and I regularly tell them like you know if you want to start a business go for it maybe I'll be your first investor or something like that and just try to encourage that entrepreneurial um drive because I, I do think that you know having that Helps a, a lot along the way. I mean, and everybody again is different. So maybe some people, the corporate life is just exactly what they need. Uh, or maybe going to school is exactly what someone needs. So I'm not trying to say one way is right or wrong, um, but at least having that kind of open mind and trying to look at all the different opportunities instead of just what society kind of deems as normal um, and kind of just looking at it more outside of the box and think of like, well, what can we all do here? Um, Nick, I, I just
2: want to comment. You you made a, a couple of points that I think were were really insightful. I don't want to pass those up. So um, first, on on the comparison piece, um, there it, it's it's a double edged sword to look at other people that are more successful than you. In some ways, it's positive because success leaves clues, and a lot of times you can identify. a framework or an ideology or a method or a tactic that that person has used to find that success, implement that in your own life, and hopefully replicate that same success. So that's how it's positive. But on the flip side, and it's a very thin line, um, it can also be exceptionally detrimental to your own mental health to continuously look at the people that are outperforming you or 10 steps ahead of you, because it it makes you second guess your own abilities, mm-hmm. or it makes, it makes you less grateful for the success that you've already had. And, you know, when, when I think about the life that I live right now, I'm 31 years old. And when I think back to myself in my early twenties, I am almost exactly living the life that I wish I could have been able to live. Right. Where it's, I I run my own businesses. I have freedom of time. I have Independence financially, like I, I'm not relying on any other business or like that was what my dream was. I get to drop my son. I drop my son off at school every morning, pick him up. I'm, I'm there for all his games. Like that's the life that I wanted to live. Right. Where Monday and Wednesday and Friday and Sunday all feel the same to me because I enjoy the work that I do. But yep. this is the exact life that I wanted to live when I was in my early 20s. But when I look at some of my peers that have portfolios that are bigger than mine or businesses that are bigger than mine, or they're, you know, I have friends that have yachts and that are like private jets. And it's like, oh my God, like it makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. And I have to, I have to stop myself sometimes and say, Tony, you are in an incredibly envious position for the vast majority of people living today. And there are tons of people who are looking at you the same way that you're looking at those people that you look up to. So it's this, it's this balance, man, between using those people as motivation, but not letting them uh, detract from, from your own self-confidence.
1: A hundred percent. And, and I have, um, it's funny just the way you explain that, Tony, because I have a very similar mindset in the sense that. Regularly, I almost on a daily basis, I, I think back in like a gratitude practice about how I'm living the life that um, the 14 year old version of me always wished he could possibly live. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm essentially living the dream life that I always wanted to live, and then at the same point, I'm looking at you know peers or or uh, or different people, whether it be yeah, I don't know, on social media or in person. Of people where I'm looking at their success in life and I'm like, oh, that's, you know, I can't wait to get to that or or like that's where I need to get to type thing. Um, and so it kind of it's that same race, you know what I mean? Like people are at different points in that race and, and don't use, like what you said, don't like use that as a motivation and not as a as a detriment to kind of like push down the success that you've had already. Um, because maybe you know you've got more success coming and, and don't give up now because uh, I regularly you know live by the quote that that if you never give up, you cannot fail. So as long as you just keep going, just keep trying. keep like you know whatever that dream might be, just wake up in one more day, one more day, keep keep chugging along for that dream and success will eventually find you. Um, some people, it's earlier and some people later in life, but but yeah, for sure.
2: And, you know, Nick, I think anyone that's entrepreneurial probably struggles with that same concept of always looking forward and never, never looking back. And there's a, there's a fantastic book. It's called The Gap and the Gain. And it's a book that, that is really about that struggle that so many entrepreneurs have of never taking a moment to look back and see how much they've, how far they've actually come. They're just always focused on how far they have to go. And it is such a, a slippery slope to to kind of get in because it it can really mess with your psyche. So I, I'm I'm trying to practice more daily gratitude for all of the, the the wonderful things that I have in my life, while also balancing that with this extreme drive and motivation to continue to build the business because I I think that's what's made me successful so far is that I have that. But it's 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 striking that balance, man. Um, something else you mentioned, Nick, that, that I thought was interesting. You were talking about like the conversations you have with your son. Um, and I, you know, I just want to share this because something I feel that I, I'm really passionate about. So my, my son's 14, right. He's not yet old enough to legally work in, in California, but we have a deal with him where if he reads a, a self-help or personal development book and he writes at least a 1200 word book report, we'll pay him a hundred bucks to do that. And I think that has probably been the best return on an investment that I've ever gotten, right? Because now I've inspired him. And when you talk about like there, there's when you have those conversations with your kids, like it it really sets them up in a way that I never got really as as a young person, I'm sure most people don't, but now we've created this drive in our son to kind of expand his mindset at such a young age. So it's like dude, if we can if we can continue this from 14 through 18, it's like the 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 mindset he'll have when he kind of goes off into the real world, it, it's it's going to be far above and beyond where I was when I was 18. So if if you are a parent and maybe it's not 100 bucks, maybe it's something else, but um if you can find a way to incentivize your your kind of young adult uh children, um it's 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 one of the best things I've ever done, man.
1: I absolutely love that, and and I find it humorous how alike we are, Tony, because we do the exact same thing with my son, and the idea was, you know, he's probably still a little bit young at nine for, like, self-help books, so we thought we'd go, like, a little bit less, so I think it's, like, 20 bucks, and he can read any book that he wants, but it's got to be, like, a chapter book, and then write a book report on it, Um, and then with the idea that, like, as he gets older, that I would be starting to, like, up the ante on, on what we would pay him for, like those self-help books, for sure. So, definitely like-minded there for sure, Tony. Um, so obviously we, we're talking a lot about you know personal development, about uh, mindset, all um, parenting, all things that you know I love talking about on the show. Though I'm also I'm I'm very intrigued with your success in the short-term rental Airbnb space. So you kind of talked about how you started in in the long-term um, real estate and rentals, which is kind of the, I guess, what most people would maybe do when when they kind of get into the real estate space. You find out, you get a house, you put a tenant in it, you make a little bit of money and and then that appreciates over time as they pay down your mortgage and all that kind of stuff. Where did you kind of transition into that short-term space and why? And do you think that that's like a superior strategy? Do you think that that's more advanced? Uh, Like should newcomers consider that because it's more profitable or is it farther out of their kind of wheelhouse where kind of would you put the short-term rentals like in that uh, in that realm
2: yeah that's a that's a great question Nick. so I'll, I'll kind of give the backstory first of how we went into the space and I'll touch on where I think it's it's kind of stands as a strategy for for both nuances and investors so just to kind of set the table so when I began investing back in 2019 my goal was to replace my income. I wanted to make enough money from my business that I could leave my job. And, you know, I had a healthy six figure salary. Um, And like I said, I climbed the corporate ladder. Um, And when I did the math on a traditional single family long term rental, it was like a couple hundred bucks a month, right? Like my very first investment, I was cash flowing $150 per month. And after I did the math, I was like, I'm going to need a whole heck of a lot of these to replace a six-figure income. And I knew that, right? So I said, what are some strategies that I can leverage to, um, to, to kind of scale up faster? And initially I had kind of thought about doing uh, apartment syndication and, and kind of buying these big apartment complexes. And eventually I landed on the idea of short-term rental. So we actually bought our first short-term rental um, right at the beginning of COVID. <laughs> so great time to buy your first uh, short-term rental. Um, but we luckily bought an estate that didn't have super strict uh, restrictions around people coming in and coming out. So we got that first one uh, right at the beginning of the summer of 2020, and it did phenomenally well. Um, and the first last year, that cabin uh, did $156,000 in top line revenue. And we profited on that cabin $84,000 last year. Wow. And our total cash investment to buy it was only 60,000 bucks. So when I did that, Matt, I was like, oh man, like this is, this is what we need to do. This is the strategy for us. Now to to answer your second question, Nick, of, of do I think it's right for everyone? Absolutely not. Like, absolutely not. It is not the right strategy for every person. Because when you buy a short-term rental, you are essentially buying a small hotel and, Just because it's a piece of real estate, it is very different from all the other types of real estate investing because now you're responsible for providing an experience and service and you know hospitality to not one person for a 12-month lease, but we'll have 12 to 15 different groups of people come through our property on a monthly basis. And a lot of these people, when they step in, even though I'm just Tony Robinson, they want Hilton-level service right? Um, so it's a it's a different mindset when you step into the short-term rental space versus the long-term rental space. Um, the, the amount of time and energy that goes into building this kind of business and managing it long-term is significantly higher than a traditional long-term rental. So it is definitely not for everyone. But if you do have the desire and the time and the ability to actually run your own small hotel, then I do think that short-term rentals provide some of the best risk-adjusted returns out of any asset class out there. The barrier to entry is significantly lower than apartments or self-storage or mobile home parks or some of these high dollar value where you got to raise you know hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to buy these things. Um, so the barrier to entry is relatively low, but the returns are significantly higher than what you would get with a traditional Single-family long-term rentals, so you kind of are, are able to straddle both of these worlds where the 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 returns are really high, but the cost is relatively low in comparison to those returns. So it is, I think, one of the best things now. And I'm gonna try not to go on, on too much of a tangent here, Nick, but I, I do think that what we've seen over the last couple of years in this space is that short-term rentals, Airbnbs, they have become like the sexy asset class in real estate investing. And it's almost turned into this gold rush where everybody wants to now own a short-term rental and everyone's diving into these markets and everybody's doing this. But here's what's going to happen. I'm already seeing it happen. I've talked to investors that have already had this epiphany that they, they, they jumped in because they saw all these other people making money and then they realize that they hated it. <laughs> so I think we're going to see a lot of people that that hear these stories, that that love the idea of doing it. They're going to kind of dabble in the space and then they're they're eventually going to leave. So um as this market matures, I think we'll see less dabblers moving into the short-term rental space. And eventually it'll become more of a mature asset class, like single family long-term rentals.
1: Yeah, I also wonder whether like the the gold rush term that you had, I think is such a perfect analogy. I mean, we in the last whatever two years, we've put I couldn't even tell you countless offers on properties and have yet to get one for a short term rental because of that, where it was just such a hot market. Anybody, I think, trying to buy a house in any class in the last two years has has kind of felt how hot that the housing market has been. But I also wonder if people have been buying properties that maybe Uh, they recognize later on in life, like, oh, maybe I overpaid for that as well. Maybe the the return isn't quite as great as I was expecting, just because it was kind of the hot new thing that everybody was doing. And they heard like, oh, there's money to be made, kind of like that gold rush. Like it reminds me of, you know, the gold rush back in California. And, uh, And I'm curious to see... You know, in these next coming years, how many people do exit that that kind of market or kind of get out of uh, that short term space and and the Airbnb space? So uh, nobody nobody can really tell, but but uh, yeah, I'm curious for sure.
2: And, and you know, Nick, like just as a as an anecdote, um, when you like the actual gold rush that happened in California, the majority of people that migrated to California for the gold rush made no money chasing mm-hmm. gold. Yep. The people who made the most money was Levi Strauss, who was selling the jeans. And the guys that were selling the shovels, right? The people that were selling the tools for the gold rush are, what, are who, who really cashed out. And if you think about like the short-term rental space, the people that really made the most money were the agents that were selling the short-term rentals and the lenders that were lending on those things. So I, yeah. I do think there are probably some people that picked up some deals that they're not happy with um, because they you know, they, they saw the, the, the dollar signs, but didn't really do their due diligence. And we'll probably start to see some of those people offloading the properties in the in the near future.
1: Yeah, I think j- j- you you had the perfect analogy of, of how, you know, in the gold rush, the people selling the shovels are the ones that made the most profit for sure. And it reminds me of how like, you know, Airbnb as the platform itself, like hands down, like they're making the most out of anybody. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so it, it it almost like goes back to that entrepreneurial um, drive and ideas that you had early on in life of like, okay, maybe how could I figure this out? I I wanna, you know, be an entrepreneur, I wanna make money, I wanna figure this whole game out, but how could I be the person maybe selling the shovel versus just the guy digging for gold?
2: Totally. And that's like the next iteration of our business. So we're we're starting to try and identify what are some of the maybe ancillary services um, in the short-term rental space that we can start to specialize in as well. So we're in the uh, the very early phases of launching a short-term rental-focused cleaning company. Um, we have a, a designer that we partner with to offer interior design services for short-term rentals. So we're slowly starting to add, you know, the the jeans and the shovels to our own portfolio, so that way we can still um, smartly monetize, but also provide better service to folks that that really don't have it before. But you you mentioned Airbnb, and I just I just want to touch on this really quickly. Um, I think a common mistake that investors in this space make when they, when they want to get into the world of short-term rentals is that they say, I'm an Airbnb investor or I buy Airbnbs. When you approach this asset class with the mentality of I buy Airbnbs, you are essentially putting yourself at the mercy of that platform. And I have seen countless people get their accounts suspended or they're locked out or completely banned, and they're not able to get back in. And what happens if all of your income is tied to this one Airbnb? So I like to think of myself as a short-term rental investor, and Airbnb is just one platform that we use. So. Our big focus for this coming year is reducing our reliance on platforms like Airbnb and Verbo, and creating our own presence digitally so that way people can book with us directly and we don't have to worry about the uh, the changes happening on Airbnb's algorithm or the the pricing changes that they're rolling out or anything that Airbnb does, we can see it, we can accept it and be like, okay, cool, but we're doing our own thing over here. So I think if you really want to start a business you need to focus on building your brand because Nick can you think of any other industry where all you have to do to make a significant amount of money is take some photos and create a, and create a listing That Like there is no business that exists where you can consistently do that. Every other business in the world has some kind of marketing expense, right? Where they're spending dollars uh, to get eyes on their product or their service. But in the world of short-term investing, I think so many of us has just become complacent to rely on Airbnb and Verbo that we forget that if we're actually trying to build a business, we need to spend money to build our own brand outside of those platforms.
1: Yeah. And it it also helps... uh keep you from being reliant, like you said, on, you know, Airbnb, whether they change an algorithm or they change a policy, where they change anything, or or maybe you do something, who knows, and and you upset the wrong person and they just delete your account or something like that. I, I see this a lot in the in the social media space too about how people, you know, they have a huge following in one platform. And then if something happens, you know, and, and their account gets hacked or deleted or whatever, They've lost their entire you know, that entire following or business or or at least that leg of of whatever. So, yeah, just having kind of uh, making yourself a little bit more self-reliant for sure versus just relying on on those different aspects. I love that, Tony. I love how you're kind of branching out and and continually trying to think one step ahead of like how do I evolve this business into the next into the next thing. I, I've also just been following along your journey a little bit and how you have recently, gotten a lot more into bodybuilding, which I find, uh, as as an athlete myself, I find that kind of fascinating. And I'm curious what lessons that real estate may have taught you that you can implement into bodybuilding, or vice versa, any lessons that bodybuilding may have taught you that you implement into real estate investing?
2: Yeah, most definitely. So for, first thing I'll say is that I'm, I'm still a relative newbie uh, in this space. I've done two shows now. One about four years ago. I did my last one about six months ago, and training for my next one right now. But um, really, the reason that I that I did it, Nick, is obviously you know I, I enjoy being in shape and you know feeling good about myself physically. But there is such a mental journey you have to go on. To get yourself in the physical condition that you need to be in to stand up on stage with your shirt off and be in front of a you know an auditorium full of people, and that was really what I was looking for, is can I push myself to you know kind of the limits mentally from a willpower perspective, from a grit perspective, from a discipline perspective. Because I've, I've like read studies on, on willpower and I've read studies on, um, you know, like like someone's ability to build habits and your, your willpower is actually a muscle. And there are studies that have documented and proven this, that the more you flex that muscle, miraculously, the more willpower you're able to develop. And the thing is that it translates. So if I build my willpower doing something like a, a a fitness competition it doesn't just stick to to Fitness I'm now able to apply that same increased willpower to to different parts of my life so for me it was it was going on that journey uh proving to myself that I could push myself to limits I've never been to before um and then you know at the end of the day being able to hang my head high knowing that I, I stuck with it
1: I love that. I love the idea of just pushing yourself mentally. It's, uh, it's something that I'm, I'm continually trying to do as well. And, and I've actually found that even something as simple as like taking cold showers, like being in that uncomfortable position, you know what I mean? Uh, something as simple as that can have great returns as well, just in the sense of training that willpower muscle. I love the way that you put that, Tony. Um, I feel like I could talk with you for hours that w- that we are very like-minded, uh, kin- keen individuals. And uh, But I- I'd like to move us on to the next part of the show that I call the fire round, Tony. And, and I'm going to fire a couple quick questions off at you that I ask all
0: of our... If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers Agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get. your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Guests. Um, Tony, do you have a favorite quote or a current quote that you might live by? Uh, a favorite
2: quote. I can't say that I do, you know, I mean, I feel like when I was in my early twenties, I was like super heavy on all my personal development kicks. I probably could have rattled a few off, but, um, right now I, I can't say that there's one that like really, really sticks out to me. I do like what you said earlier though, Nick, that like you, you really don't fail until you quit. And I, I think that that idea of continuing to move forward despite any setbacks is what really separates successful people from those that that come up short is like, I know I'm not going to fail because I'm going to keep moving forward. And it doesn't matter what obstacles get thrown my way. I'm going to find some kind of solution. And if there isn't a solution, I'm going to lick my wounds. I'm going to keep moving forward and take my lessons and, and, and move on. Right. So um, I'll just steal yours and say that that one's a, that one's a great quote.
1: Awesome. Love that. No, I I couldn't agree more, Tony. And uh, definitely, yeah, I I regularly lick my own wounds and and just keep moving forward thinking like, okay, well, I'll try not to make that mistake again. Uh, Learn from it and and keep going forward. Tony, do you have a favorite book uh, or a a recent book or current book that you might be reading?
2: Yeah, um, I'll share my books. uh, But before I do, Nick, I just want to highlight that. Um, I think especially in like an entrepreneurial space, we we, uh, we romanticize or, or maybe put on a pedestal people that say, you know, I, I read 36 books last year, you know, and um, that was me for a long time as well, where I was just focused on volume. But over the last couple of years, I've tried to focus more so on um, integration. So if I read a book, can I actually take the lessons from that book and integrate it into my into my daily life and into my daily business? So the volume of books that I've read has dramatically decreased, but I might, I might read the same book two or three times while I try and get all the different pieces implemented. So a few books that I've read over the last couple of years that I think have been really um instrumental in, in how we're trying to build our business. Um, the first one is called Traction by Gino Wickman. Um it's a great book on uh really just like business. Uh, strategy and systems and and kind of putting this framework in place to keep your business moving along. Um, another great book is called Clockwork by Mike Um That book is, is it works really well in conjunction with traction, but Clockwork is more so how do you start to document all of these internal processes so that as you build your team out, it's easier to kind of get those people ramped up and, and you build this repeatable system. Um, and there's a book called Profit First, by also by Mike McCallowitz, the same guy that wrote Clockwork. And that's a great book on cash flow management for small businesses. Um, And then another book that I I just really enjoyed, a little more high level, but it's called From Good to Great. And um, gosh, I can't remember who the author is for that book. Um, Jim Collins, uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins. And again, these are all business books, not necessarily about real estate, but I think that as a real estate investor, we need to understand that we are still building a business. And unless you just want to be like this one man or one woman show where you're doing everything, at some point you will need to hire and build teams to execute on your vision. And luckily I had a lot of experience from that in my day job, but a lot of people coming into this space don't. So I think sometimes we need to take a break from like the real estate only stuff and focus on the business building stuff as well.
1: Tony, that that is incredible. You just like laid down a whole list of reading that I need to do, and it, it's funny how you mentioned, or, or uh, started with the fact that you know it's not all about the amount of books that you read in in a year, and and it's funny because I was the same way for a while, and just trying to you know read a book a week. I thought that was like the goal, you know. Like okay, if I got to get fifty two in a year, and and Recently, I've started to realize like it's not all about how fast you read the books or how many books you read. It's like how much you take out of it and how much you implement into your own life. So uh, I've actually started going back and just keep continually rereading books. And and something that I actually got from Tim Ferriss was um was to take out a pen and start taking notes on the back two pages of the book with like a page number and then maybe a note that you found interesting. Um, so it's also easier to maybe flip through books that you've read and and kind of re, um apply the the different things that you really took from it so anyway love that uh, that tidbit and piece of advice there Tony if today was your last day this is one of my favorite questions if today was your last day Tony and everything that you've done throughout life um, was to go away with you all of your real estate all of your podcasts all of your social media your YouTube everything was to go away with you and all that you were left with was a piece of paper and a pen and you could leave three truths. This could be for your wife, for your son, uh, for future generations, or for f- friends and family. What might your three truths be?
2: Man, this is a this is a deep question, Nick. I gotta let me ponder this for a second. Um, I think the I think the first truth is we have no limits. I think so many people, um, whether subconsciously or consciously, institute these upper limits on what they're capable of achieving. And for whatever reason, I've always been the opposite, where I have this almost like unrealistic (laughs) confidence in, in what I'm able to achieve. And I think I think that way because it's like, well, if this guy or this girl could do it, i'm just as capable i'm just as is is worthy so why can't i chase that same dream as well so I, I think the first truth is that we we have no limits in terms of what we're capable of achieving right um the second thing that i would say is man there's there's a lot of thoughts rolling through my mind but i i think the second one and i don't i don't want this to sound um, uh, like too dark but I think the second thing I would say is we're all going to die one day. And I I call that out because I, I think about death, not often, but often enough to kind of keep me in check. Mm-hmm. And when I find myself getting out of balance, maybe I'm focusing a little bit too much on work. I have to ask myself, when I'm laying on my deathbed, is responding to this email really going to be that important? Or does tonight make more sense just to kind of shut it all down and, and spend some quality time with people that I love and care about the most? Um, so I, I I think when we can kind of keep in the back of our mind that we all have this expiration date, it really forces us to get the most out of the life that we're living. And you know sometimes we might hesitate to spend money on like a vacation or this experience, and it's like okay, this is something that that we'll never be able to do again, right? This is a memory that we will always cherish. So. That that little thought in the back of your mind, I think, can help you live a, a more balanced and, and fulfilling life. So uh, you have no limits. Uh, you're, you're you're definitely going to die one day. And the third one, I, I think, the third thing I'd say is that uh, you are not a victim. So we we all we we don't have control over the things that happen to us in life some things we do, but many things we do not. We don't get to choose who our parents are. We don't get to choose where we grew up at. We don't get to choose the color of our skin. We don't get to choose our gender. We don't get to choose, like there's so many different things that are assigned to us at birth. Um, And, you know, sometimes if you grow up in the wrong neighborhood, you might be presented with a certain set of circumstances that that someone else in the right neighborhood didn't have. But, and I, I preach this to my son all the time is that, no matter what happens to you, you always get to choose what your response is. And if the worst possible thing happens to you, right? Something that was completely out of your control. The way that I take comfort is in knowing that I still get to choose what happens next. And like, I I became a dad when I was 16, right? Um, and for like, Nick, if you look at the statistics, and this isn't me trying to like toot my own horn in in any way, shape, or form, but just to try and prove this point. But if you look at the statistics of Black men who became parents at 16, who came from a single-parent household, who, uh, you know, parents worked two jobs, uh, you know, lower middle-class family. Like, if you look at the statistics of black guys to check all those boxes, they are absolutely terrible. But why was it that I was able to have a different outcome? And it's because I never focused on necessarily what happened. My focus always was, okay, what do I need to do next? And I think if we keep that mindset, it allows us to retain a certain level of control in our lives that sometimes we feel we don't have.
1: That's truly incredible, Tony. And and I just, I love how you finish with the idea to that you are not a victim. Um, and how that's such a focus in life that, you know, no matter what happens to you, you have, you always have the opportunity how to respond to that, no matter how horrible or horrific that thing could be, no matter how devastating it might feel. You have every, each one of us has the opportunity to respond to that way. Um, however we want so to to have the idea to just to choose to be the victor instead of the victim uh, is just such a great outlook and 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 I absolutely love that tony i um i gained so much value from these conversations and and all of these interviews from all the guests that, that come on this show. Something that I try to do as much as I can is to give back as much value as that I gain from it. So is there anything currently that you might be focusing on that I might be able to help you out with or possibly even my listeners?
2: Um, You know, I mean, the the biggest thing for me, man, is is I'm just trying to meet and connect with as many other like minded individuals as I can. So um, if you guys want to do that digitally um, on Instagram, I'm at Tony J Robinson, you can follow me there. Uh, we have a YouTube channel called The Real Estate Robinsons. We already talked about the Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, if you want to meet with us in person, we have an in-person event uh, called the STR Summit. So it's a short-term rental summit. Um, our next one's happening January 20th in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Um, so if you guys want to learn more about that event, you can go to strsummit.com. But to me, that that's what it's about, man. Connecting with folks, uh, sharing my story, and um, hopefully hearing some good success stories out of it.
1: I absolutely love that. For those of you guys out there, please uh, give Tony a follow, check him out. If you guys are interested, definitely connect with him. I might have to come uh, meet up with you Tony down in Orlando. That sounds like a blast. My final question of the day for you is what is your definition of awesome?
2: Uh, that's a uh, man, you're you're hitting me with the hard ones today. My so look, my 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 definition of awesome is man I want to make sure I articulate this the right way. I think my definition of awesome, and I'm I'm thinking about this from like a life perspective, but my definition of awesome is being able to wake up every day and operate in your area of passion and expertise and financial potential, right? And I add that financial potential because so many people, I think, you know, they they just want to chase their passions. But, you know, if your passion is to, you know, something that that doesn't allow you to provide for your family, there's a certain level of stress that comes along with that. So if you can find that blend of doing something that you genuinely enjoy, surrounded by people that you love doing it with, and you're able to find the financial success that you've been looking for, that's, that's awesome.
1: That is truly awesome. Tony, you have been dropping so many nuggets of gold and wisdom along this show. We've talked about mindset. We've talked about fitness. we talked about real estate, parenting. This has been truly phenomenal. And again, I've gained so much value. I hope my listeners has gained just as much. If you guys did, please, I highly encourage you guys, if you guys could share this out with someone that you think needs to hear this, please do so. Um, if you guys would love to connect with Tony, definitely give him a follow on his social media, check out his YouTube, go check him out in person at one of his events. Again, thank you so very much, Tony. I am Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all truly an awesome day. Cheers. Cheers.